the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Good Sunday morning with Father Andre. On um, this wonderful and beautiful um, Sunday of May 8, uh, 2022, let us first of all praise the Lord with Psalm 89, God's favors to the house of David. And of course, in such a way, we will all praise the Lord for giving us a home. Planet Earth is our home, and more so, the love of God is our home, and more so, the presence of God in our life is our home, and more so, in fact, the people of God is part of the household of our home. My friends, for a home to be built, you need a builder, you need uh, the head of the house, you need the family in this house, and usually our understanding for family is that God chose man and woman to procreate. To manage the earth, to build on earth, and uh, to dominate the earth. So Psalm 89, we will say, I will sing forever of your love, O Lord. Through all ages my mouth will proclaim your truth. Of this I am sure that your love lasts forever, that your truth is firmly established in the heavens. With my chosen one I have made a covenant I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your dynasty forever and set up your throne through all ages. My friends, we have been seeing and um, recently in the news speaking about a leak that happened from um, the Supreme Court of the United States. Basically, there are live updates every day. Probably if you check on the results of um, um, looking at the... um, Roe versus Wade or Roe v. Wade, you will find over 377, probably million results in less than a minute, in less than a minute. This is how important this issue, this case, this situation is for the whole world, for many and for common sense and by the law of God, the law of the church, the law of religion in general. Abortion is a crime. And uh, for a human choice, for the personal freedom of the people, for many of the people for women's health care, 
um, including there is a big division around women's health care, which one is the best way to take a look at it and to honestly protect the women's health. There are divisions on the topic. Many choose it, many avoid it, many do it secretly. But the bottom line, victims are falling. Babies are being killed. Organs are being trafficked. Human blood is at the hand of many of the people in every nation, from every religion. Life is being killed in the womb. And uh, in the early 1970s, somebody um, submitted a case from a small town in Texas. We have with us uh, by phone um, a great lady who happened to be from that same town where the original case in Texas of uh, Roe versus Wade um, took actually place. And that lady um, was born with a desire to protect life and her herself became an advocate, an investigative journalist, a professor of journalism, and um, is currently authoring a major book on the history of um, abortion and um, the part of what we might call um, Roe versus Wade. And the history in her book could go back to the early 70s when the first uh, crime ever took place by means of legally given permission to kill a baby in a womb. And in fact, the very first legal abortion that was ever exercised on the soil of the United States of America after the Supreme Court in the 70s had made it legal to abort a baby was in the state of Colorado, in our home state. So with us on the phone, this dear friend and a beautiful lady, beautiful professor, Dr. Linda Royal. Dr. Linda, good Sunday morning to you. Sunday morning to you as well, Father. It's great to be with you. Well, uh, Dr. Linda, um, uh, I'm sorry I don't recall the information you gave me about your little town, but in the 70s, you, you have a story to tell about Texas. A small story all of a sudden affected the entire world. It became a worldwide case, and nations are voting whether they are allow abortion because of that case or not allow abortion. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the simple story in Texas in the 1970s? Um, well, I'm from a little town called Abilene, Texas, a population of a little over 100,000. Uh, the person who approached uh, Norma, the woman uh, around whom Roe v. Wade was structured, is also from Abilene, Texas. Uh, she was a young graduate from University of Texas Law School, and she was recruited by the founders of NARAL, and that would be uh, Lawrence Slater and an attorney by the name of Cyril Means. She and a colleague of hers, Linda Coffey, were recruited to approach a woman who was pregnant and who was wanting an abortion to go to Dallas and file with the district court and ask that the woman be allowed to have an abortion. When the uh, request was turned down, the heads of NARAL told uh, uh, Sarah Weddington to come back to them and let them know about the denial, which, of course, she did. And it was around that denial of the district court in Dallas that Roe v. Wade was structured. I found it very odd that we're from the same hometown. Sarah Weddington is about 10 or 15 years older than me, and she just passed recently, by the way. Uh, wow. But I find it interesting that we're from the same hometown and that my father was a Baptist pastor 
in that city, and her father was a Methodist pastor in that city. So I just think the the odds of that happening are rather extraordinary. That is true, <laughs> so actually, D- Dr. Linda. Yeah. Today, um, today there are riots in the United States. I mean, we've been seeing for weeks now. We've been seeing since the leak came um, from the U.S. Supreme Court on abortion ruling um, basically was discovered or it was leaked, uh, let's say. Uh, There have been many demonstrations, many violence um, in the United States. What's important so much about this case that the people are rioting? Why is this ruling producing violence, if I may ask you? Not producing violence, but there is a violence accompanying this leak. Why? Well, it's the most polarizing issue we have uh, on our sociocultural horizon, and it has been for many, many years. We had the women's rights movement in in the uh, 1960s, you know, in conjunction with the Vietnam War. Uh, The the country was just unsettled, and it was during this time uh, that a man by the name of Lawrence Later, who was the mastermind behind Roe v. Wade, he actually authored the document. He was... uh, professor at New York University teaching journalism. He was a Harvard graduate from a very prominent Jewish family, a secular Jewish family in New York. He recruited a fellow professor of his from uh, New York University, a gentleman by the name of Cyril Means Jr. And together they created the draft of Roe v. Wade. The first place they put it put this forward was in New York City. Now they knew they had to get the consensus of the voices in the public square at the time to accompany them in this quest. And so what they did was they recruited uh, Betty Friedan from the women's rights movement. They recruited National Organization of Women to be their advocates and to be voices for them, as well as the young uh, college students who were protesting in the streets, the Vietnam War. So they took this loud, loud voice. And this has been the paradigm for the abortion argument from the pro-side, the pro-choice side, ever since uh, the 1960s. This has been the way they've argued, using the same basic uh, set of voices of the same groups of people. Okay. Uh, on, uh, on February 10 of 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States wrote a first draft. And it seems like, um, was it an opinion of uh, Justice Alito, I believe? It was from Justice Alito that it was circulated. And in that initial draft, basically, the um, U.S. Supreme Court voiced together that uh, um, we as a Supreme Court, basically, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. And this was a writing from Justice Alito. Um, what, what does this overruling mean? What are the consequences? Let's talk uh, can, legally, first of all. What does it mean when they say it must be overruled? Well, uh, during this set of arguments, there were certain pieces of information to, to, that were proposed to the court that they took to heart. I was there that day, and I covered that case. And uh, several of the issues that were brought forth by Mississippi rocked rocked the boat, I would call it, on this case. They looked at it caused the court to question the standard of viability that was established in the original Roe v. Wade. And what one of the justices said was it was arbitrary based on whim or random uh, decision rather than any reason or system or medical information. 
Medical science has changed tremendously since 1973. One of the justices said that. Another said, you know, this goes to precedent as well. We're looking at the precedent established in something that we didn't even understand and something that was ill-advised. And both Thomas and Roberts also asked, uh, the the, Solicitor General was arguing against Mississippi on behalf of the federal government. The, the executive branch, in other words, the office of the president, was actually having this case argued by the Solicitor General of the United States. Both Roberts and Thomas questioned this because the federal government is really out of order in taking a state to court over an issue that concerns the people. In other words, they were siding with the pro-choice side in sending the Solicitor General to argue this case. And both Thomas and Roberts were concerned that the, of, of that precedent that was being established by the federal government arguing against the state, a law that is supposed to be decided by the states. Uh-huh. You know, right, as of right now, we have 13 states, including Texas and Mississippi, who have been the two most recent, that have Bible heartbeat bills. So basically, well, literally, if, if, if the Alito draft is adopted, it would rule in favor of Mississippi. Um, in in the closely watched case over that state's attempt to basically uh, ban most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. You did work on the Mississippi case. Actually, um, I I do not want to tell the people too much, but uh, to to what extent are you comfortable letting us know? uh, You gathered over 16,000 historical documents on abortion history. And your research goes from 1920s till 1973. Um, and um, the lawyers of the Mississippi case actually contacted you um, for a specific for a specific request. What was that? Are you allowed to talk about it? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, actually, I contacted them. I uh, I had submitted this information to the Texas case, but they didn't use it in their arguments. And so I know someone who knew one of the attorneys in Mississippi, and she made arrangements for me to get the information to him. And I gave them permission to use the information and gave them the source documents that supported the information. And I also gave them permission to use my doctoral dissertation, which is on this topic as well. But in the course of uh, researching for my dissertation, I discovered a 46-carton archive of the the personal files of Lawrence Slater, the founder of abortion, Margaret Sanger's biographer, by the way, um, who, after writing her biography, said he ceased to be her biographer and became her disciple, and he vowed to carry forward her work on population control. So this is the man who actually wrote Roe v. Wade. I have all of the uh, documents from his file to support the story behind how he wrote the document, gave it to all the young attorneys in several different states, and instructed them as he instructed Sarah Weddington what to do with it. He and Cyril Means Jr. drafted the argument of Roe v. Wade that did go before first the New York Supreme Court and then went before uh, the Supreme Court, of course, of the United States. Within this document, they had a lot of information that was based on false surveys. One of the concerns of the justices in 1970 when the argument began and up through 1972 when it finally ended with a second argument uh, done by Sarah Weddington Uh, One of the great questions was, what does the public feel about this? What does the public want? Because as of that time, uh, abortion law was based on British common law. 
Okay. The British common law said you can't abort after there's been a quickening. In other words, after the baby's heart begins to beat, after the baby begins to move. So the original intent was to make that the standard of viability. But in looking at the social aspects of it that were based on these surveys, which I later learned after I reran the survey uh, actual five cartons of documents that were the survey uh, results, we reran those because we had found that Lawrence later had changed the numbers. Uh, a friend of mine, Terry Beatley, wrote a book about Bernard Nathanson, and she said, Dr. Nathanson said to tell you to look at the surveys because he was there when Lawrence later falsified them. I went and looked in his archive, and I found where he had hand uh, changed, changed by hand, all of the numbers to suit their narrative, you see. So, so that so was, that was a fraud, basically. These used by the court in 1973. These survey numbers were wrong. That's A. And Lawrence Later's advice to the court was referenced 17 times on everything having to do with everything from public opinion to viability to precedent. All of these things were based on these surveys, which were fallacious. And you're talking about a man who was actually a journalist, right? Lawrence Ladder was a journalist. He was a professor at a New York university. Um, and he, he and actually, he um, uh, perpetrated um, as he was the world's greatest expert on abortion due to various surveys and information he had gathered for uh, his book entitled Abortion. So he did even write a book in 1969. So you're saying the information that was collected in this book was actually manipulated, was fraudulent. And you, you, you actually went to a library after 50 years almost, and you, 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 you uncovered that these were made-up notes that the people did not even know about it. So you're saying right. there is no people opinion that was offered in 1973, in 1972. Right. That's right. And beyond that, I found in that same archive, I found a letter from Cyril Means Jr., who was the attorney for NARAL. And he offered first to the Supreme Court in New York to advise them. He said, I have no standing in this. I, I don't care one way or another how the decision goes, but I will advise you on the matters of the law, the British common law concerning this. And I'll be glad to uh, take the law as it exists today and advise you how it could be made to accommodate abortion so women can have a right to choose. He also made that offer to Justice Blackman through his law clerk, and I have a copy of that letter that I obtained from the National Archives. I shared this with the Mississippi attorneys. And in that letter, he, he says, I, don't, I didn't file an amicus brief because I have no interest in this case other than making certain that you have the law correct. Wow. And I, I'll advise you pro bono, he said, I'm willing to do that. And I have a handwritten note from Justice Blackman to his clerk that says, have Mr. Means come in and, and purchase these articles that he has written in the law journals for all the justices. So between him and later, uh, Cyril Means was cited in the original opinion eight times. Lawrence Later and his work were cited 17 times. I believe that's 25 pieces of information in that original Roe v. Wade document that were fallacious. Now, when the justices began to share this information, all of a sudden, all the foundation of Roe v. Wade began to shake because it's based on falsehood. Uh, this time, you're talking, you're talking in a recent hearing between 21 and 22. 
um, yes. basically. And, um, uh, Doctor, if I may ask you, you keep mentioning Justice Blackman. I, I know he was just being appointed um, uh, as newly to the actual Supreme Court, and he had never offered an actual opinion, actually. Um, and that was his yes. first opinion, right? That, that was his first opinion to write. And from what I understand, and looking and do, doing other research through legal journals and reports and so forth, uh, he was very uncertain about his ability to do this. And his law clerks basically took over and wrote this opinion. He, he was advised by these two individuals, and then the law clerks were present with that, and they uh, really wrote the opinion. And they continued to write for Blackman because he was one of these guys who was a waffler. You know, he couldn't decide which way to go. And it's not good to have someone, A, inexperienced, and B, who, who, who can't decide what to do, so he leaves it up to some people who are just graduated college or students. This is a quote uh, from the document, from the recent Mississippi case. This is in the transcript. Um, this is from a legal scholar who analyzed this. He said, the problem, as Roe lead attorney Weddington almost certainly knew, is that Means' central claims were not true. In a memo circulated among Roe's legal team in the summer of 1971, a Yale Law student named David Tutterman warned Means that your conclusions sometimes strain credibility. So even the clerks working with Blackman were concerned about the validity of the advice that he was getting, but nonetheless he took it, and we have what we have today. Wow. And that, that those elements are what is being questioned. The elements of viability, precedent, and public opinion may all three have been flawed. Would you mind repeating those three elements? Viability, uh -huh. the precedent, and the public opinion. Is the same thing happening? We have a few. We have a few minutes. Just uh, about two minutes left for this uh, uh, for this uh, show. Actually, um, this is a good Sunday morning with Father Andre. Doctor Linda is on the phone with us, uh, um, an expert researcher on abortion, actually, um, and and um, which makes her an expert on, researcher on pro life. We usually hear about advocates of pro life for pro life um, or advocates um, for abortion on both sides. You are a researcher, Dr. Linda. Why does your opinion matter? And, and I'm glad because I did read um, in the drafts that um, um, the oral argument of Mississippi case actually used your argument. Um, and that was the argument used to basically to overturn, it seems, Roe versus Wade. Um, what does an expert mean on this topic? You have less than a minute, if you just let the people know. Well, I became an expert inadvertently on it. Uh, during my doctoral dissertation, I was uh, researching for this, and I found it extremely odd that this archive was put in place uh, only 60 days after Roe v. Wade was decided, and then it was sealed for 25 years. And even still, only academic scholars can get into this 46 cartons. It's all the deep, dark secrets of all the lies that were perpetrated to advance the cause of abortion. Wow, so you went to the facts, Dr. Linda. You actually went to the actual facts of the actual case management, case papers, and you trailed every paper. You read 
over 16,000 documents. Dr. Linda, um, um, I want to salute you for your work. I want to pray for your safety as well, uh, for the safety of our nation. Um, it seems that public opinion matter, and it seems that there is a way for public opinion to matter, and this is what we call census or uh, uh, to this aspect. In the league today, does public opinion is being, is be, has it, is it being heard by the Supreme Justices, or they don't need to listen to the public opinion? Because I know there is problem around that. In a very short 30 seconds, could you answer that? Well, it's hard to satisfy both sides because, again, they're so polarized. Uh, the justices have to decide along these same standards of viability, precedent, and public opinion. Well, the public opinion right now, because we do know more medically, a lot of people who used to be in favor of abortion, now that we're aborting babies all the way up to one month after birth, of one of the states being Maryland, the other being California, just recently passed legislation that if you don't like the child a month after it's born, you can have it euthanized. So I I think this envelope has been pushed so far that people of good sensibility, whether they're liberal or conservative, are rather uh, appalled and outraged as what what is happening. Finally, they're realizing that a baby is being killed. That's right. That's, well, I think that's where we are. In this holy month of May, how about you and me, we conclude by praying, and i love to have you next Sunday as well. How about we pray a Hail Mary, um, yes. full of grace, the Lord is with thee, the blessed is with are thou amongst women, women, and blessed, and blessed is, the is the fruit of thy womb, womb Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, holy Mary Mother, of Mother of God, pray for pray us for sinners, sinners, now and at now the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. May God bless us all. May God protect the life of um, all women on earth and all babies on earth. May God uh, reconcile that for one life to be, another life is also to be, and not the opposite. And may God bless us all, and may God forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.